Us hunters need good glass. The well-balanced size Conquest HD binoculars provide outstanding performance for an amazing hunting experience at an unbelievably attractive price. The Conquest range will impress you with the largest field of view in its class. Even at long distances, it provides detailed views of wildlife and enables long, fatigue-free observation. A HD lens system gives great low-light performance and excellent target resolution. These rugged binos carry a 20-year Australian replacement or repair guarantee. Find your local stockers at osaustralia.com.au. With the crazy world we live in today, many of us seek the adventure of the unknown. Join us everyday Aussies from all walks of life share stories from men and women of all hunting camps. From tips and techniques to the emotional rollercoaster ride of fulfilling a lifelong dream, there is a story to be told by all. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Okay, good evening. It's Rob Herbert here from Hunting Camp Down Under. Um, back on the mic, which is fantastic. Um, we did a podcast not long ago um, and had a ch- chat to Tex um, from Patriot Hunter. Uh, and today I am lucky enough to be blessed and be in the presence of the great man himself. <laughs> so Brad Murphy, um, how are you bud? Good, thanks mate. How are you? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the intro. I don't know whether you know. I don't know whether you need to bow like that, mate. But you know, <laughs> thanks anyway. I've got to be careful. I don't hit my head on the table on the way down. <laughs> you know, age does disgrace me, as they say. Uh, um, Brad's come down actually to East Gippsland to run one of his fantastic um, seminars on bow hunting, and um, we're going to kick that off tomorrow. But while I think I have Brad's um, attention for a little while, I thought I'd. Um, Get him on the mic and talk about some recent hunts he's had and where he's at, his business, and what he actually does outside of um, bow hunting as well. A lot of people don't know about Brad's education and what he does, um, places he's been and all those sort of things. So I guess to start off with, Brad, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from and that sort of stuff? Yeah, I'm a happily married father of two young boys, six-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, I live in Malmesbury in Victoria. Uh, and work up in Bendigo. I'm a physiotherapist. I own my own business up there and have done for uh, the last 22 years or so. Beautiful. Yeah, so, um, yeah, when I'm not bow hunting or trying to help people and stuff in the bow hunting realm, uh, I'm chasing two kids around. It's uh, <laughs> certainly been a change in the last uh, the last six years. Uh, but, yeah, a really yeah, a nice change. I think um, there are two things that can go um, well being a bow coach and understanding the physiology of the human body you can um, help people out in more than one way I guess Um, you see many injuries and those sort of things or or people that could be in danger of running into injuries of the way that they're using their bow and yeah that happens to happens a bit Um, and it is and I I probably take it for granted because I just I've been a physio for so long and you know the the whole thing is looking at movement people's movement patterns and things like that so um, it just transfers over really well to archery um, and vice versa the training that I engage with people in archery actually makes me a better physio because archery, I found archery is a really good sport to where you can break a movement down yep. really well yep. and just go through each individual movement and then <clears throat> so it's really good as a teaching tool you know it's easy to teach archery but it's also a good way uh, it gives me a better insight into my patients as well so um but yeah, it's, uh, and I think I've done a lot of education 
educating people as a physio so just it comes natural to educate people with you know as, as with regards to archery and bow hunting and stuff like that so so talking about um you know 20 years as a physio when did you start using a bow was it same uh, time? not uh probably a couple of years before i became a physio so i actually went as in as a mature age student so yep. i when i left school i wasn't very i wasn't great at school and uh <laughs> i just left and all i wanted to do was you know work and have a good time so i just worked in pubs for probably seven or eight years and male strip yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> and then uh yeah i just got sick of that so i was looking for something to do and i ended up doing a massage course because i was right into sport and i was played a lot of footy in those days yep uh and i did the massage course became a masseur for a while and realized i didn't know anything so i applied and luckily got into into uni as a to study physio so um it was around about so I probably played another couple of years of footy and then when I uh, graduated from uni and I started working I had to give footy away because my hands are yep. um, my life and um, it's a bit hard playing a ball sport with dislocations and you know I'd have a few well, issues usual sort of footy sort of injuries yeah yeah so um, so I stopped playing footy and I was looking for something to do and that's where I got into archery I uh, went down to the local archery club that used to have a come and try day and went down and I'd done archery at school yep. and sort of you know when I was a, a kid and things and sort of get back into it and yeah certainly got back into it and just went from there just yeah. so was that um with a old school red indian sort of recurve or was nah, that no no oh yeah. with at school yeah. yes it yeah. was yeah. yes yeah. yeah I had a uh well they they tell me it was a 30 pound <laughs> yeah re, uh <laughs> pink or red yeah um yeah so they were the they were good old days actually because we we lived on some property in Woodend back in the day, and so I was always chasing rabbits around, or yep. um, I won't say ducks, but yes, ducks. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, making them fly away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I did shoot a lot of trees. You know, the ducks will fly up into a tree, and there's there's quite a few bodkin broadheads st- sticking in branches and stuff in trees down in Woodend. <laughs> uh, absolutely fantastic. I think it brings a lot of anyone that'll be listening that's been. Um, around for more than 30 years it would be bringing some memories back of their own childhood I think. yeah i think yeah, yeah there's a lot yeah. of people uh, ian summers and i talk about it quite often because yeah, he came <laughs> in around the same time or a bit before me and yeah so all of that stuff we've both sort of done yep. you know when awesome. you're younger it's good yeah and then you um graduated to wheels yeah yeah so as soon as i when i started back again um yeah 20 yeah, i don't know maybe 20 years ago um straight back into a compound then um, started off with fingers, but quickly <laughs> went to a release aid and had all the bells and whistles, as they call it. So yeah. I, I, I really wanted to be able to hit stuff. So yeah. uh, it was quite important to to, yeah. do, to go with everything. Yeah, um, yeah and then so since then, just straight into it. I, I, I found when I uh, stopped playing footy, I couldn't watch a game of footy. And I didn't watch a, a full game of footy for eight years. Wow. I just couldn't go to the footy or hang around anyone because I was still... You know, I could still play. I was only only thirty, I think, at the time. Yep. So I felt I could still play and things like that, but I just couldn't because of work. So I just had to get right away from it. So 100%. into the archery and just went full on into that. And that. Yeah, straight into hunting, you know, and everything. So um, I was really lucky that when I started down at the club, a good mate of mine uh, started at the same time, basically the same weekend, and we were shooting the first weekend together. And I was talking about a fellow property that I had and he was telling me about one that he had and it turned out they were next door neighbours <laughs> so that was it for the two of us we just hunted there every weekend for 
oh, no, four or five years. How often has that, that that has to happen more than once? You know, oh, it's just yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Like just the lack of that, you know, to be able to have that. Um, we had um, a similar conversation. Justin's one of the guys that uh, works with me making knives, and he only hunts with a bow. And we're very uh, cagey about any of our spots to do with hog deer. And we're sitting here at the beginning of the season, or just about to kick the season off, and um, we were like two cats with arched backs and heads <laughs> turned around one way, walking around to each other, talking about this spot we're going to go to. And without, you know... Uh, showing each other pictures of where we've been it turned out it was exactly the same, same spot, spot. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he was going to go there at this point and i was going to enter at another point and we would have ended up bumping into each other going what are you doing here what are you doing here you know <laughs> so i've actually had that out in the bush a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago i got out one morning and i was uh sure the fellow rut and i'm just sitting by the car in the dark just listening and all of a sudden the fellow walks down the track oh Hey Dan, there you go, Brad. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's worse when they're carrying something on their shoulders that you've been looking yeah, at. Yeah, well, at least I was in there first. So yeah, I had, I had right away. Yeah. <laughs> um, so going back to uh, importantly, you where you've um, been with your archery stuff, three D. You shot three D for a while. Yeah, yeah, shot three D a lot. Yep. Um, sort of probably started off with ABA and did that for probably five or six years, I guess, and then found three D AAA and. Once I found that, I just yeah, went up to Casino uh, to shoot their State of Origin one year and just couldn't believe uh, yeah, how good it was and how friendly everyone was and yep. things like that. And um, Because I'd done so much hunting and stuff, I, I really liked the 3D as a practice for hunting. There's yep. nothing better than sort of trying to shoot a, a three-dimensional foam animal rather than just cardboard or anything like that. Um, they can put them in you know, a lot of different places. You shooting up and down hill, angles, all that sort of stuff. So yep. it really replicates the hunting. So I really liked it for that. Um, it's a funny story. When I went up to uh, the casino shoot the first time, a 3D AAA have a bow hunter class. Uh, and in ABA, they have a bow hunter class. But the bow hunter, a lot of the people that were shooting bow hunter class weren't really bow hunters. And they have, you know, glue-in pit points and little veins and all that. And I thought... I'll go up to 3D AAA because they've got a real bow on a class. You have to have screw-in points and you have to have 12 inches of vein and all that. And I thought this will be really good. We'll, I'll just be against bow hunters. Went up there. I was the only one with a bow quiver on my bow. <laughs> Everyone else, they did have screw-in points and they did have, but they had the super lightest arrows. They were shooting 310 feet per second back in the, you know, yeah. <laughs> back in those, yeah. those days. Oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, look, I still had fun and stuff and uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. I've been doing a lot of that since. Yeah, so that's been a, a um, progressive thing over time for you. You've you've gone through different stages and... Yeah, yeah. So I did a lot here, got right into it and did so much. I ended up hunting, um, shooting over in the States. I've shot um, the IBA World Titles a couple of times wow. and the A-State Classic a few times and stuff like that. And yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, lucky enough to win a couple of Australian titles back in the day and things. And then, um, then about oh, probably... Five or six years ago, uh, I got out of it a little bit. Mum got my mum had uh, pancreatic cancer and ended up passing away. And also, met my wife and we had a kid and had well, Will came along, and so I just didn't have the time to to get around as yeah. much as what yeah. I used to. Um, but we're back into it. We started back into it last year pre-COVID. Yep. We <laughs> we got to down to Mornington, and because the boys really like going and Nick likes camping, so it's a really good spot to. Yeah, uh, you know, really good weekend to go and camp. I can go out and shoot for the morning. They can muck around, and then you know, 
play around for the rest of the day. The boys can take their bows down and all that sort of stuff. So we got right back into it. Um, well, started to last year. Going to do the whole season, and then we got one shoot, and that COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, but then we're back in again this year, so we'll, we're going to go to all the shoots. And um, there's a few other friends that used to shoot together, Clark and Nat, and their kids, and they're coming along. And there's a few others, so it's yeah, a few good friends. Old old school. Three <laughs> D archers getting back into it, so yeah, be a bit of fun. And you'll uh, have to come along. No, I've uh, I've I've had the pleasure of um, Brad and <laughs> Dave and a couple other people <laughs> grace me when I'm around a bow and <laughs> a basically how hard it is to shoot in front of someone else, isn't and, it? And eh? uh, I tell you what. Um, at 10 yards, I was not effective at all <laughs> <laughs> with those two parrots on the uh, side stand <laughs> absolutely boning me out on everything. <laughs> it was, it was a bit harsh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But I was. I did have my traditional gear and uh, when the first arrow hit the top corner of the... The, <laughs> the, the eight-foot wide target. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and bounced off into the never-never. And then I said, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Then I shot another one and did worse and worse. And I kept shortening my distance to the target. And it just wasn't getting any better to the point. I think I whacked the target with my bow. But <laughs> um, Brad's the sort of guy that can really, um, just through his own humour, put some heat on you as a shooter if you've never had that um, that pressure of someone being on the sideline and giggling in your ear when you're about to release. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think uh, it's a fantastic sport for family to get into, and it's not just we're just leading to um, a very, very short version of your shooting, um, but being able to get into a family, um, uh, you know, sport where you can take the kids now and take them to that, and you're still seeing people that you knew from back then, and you can still have that same camaraderie, I guess, and um, introducing your kids to their kids maybe and yeah, that's and, and shooting their rounds, you know. Yep, how and that's that? how it's been. It's, yeah, it's been awesome. So, um, yep. And, it, you know, look, well, I'm not as competitive as what I used to be. I don't get the time to practice Jesus, or anything I hate like that. I've that. seen you back then. Hey? <laughs> oh, no, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's funny. I say to people, like, I, you know, I'll go out to the shed now and try and shoot and I'll shoot. I used to shoot probably 50 or 100 arrows. I was lucky to shoot 12 now because yeah, the well. boys come out, can I shoot? Can I shoot? Yeah, yeah. My shot now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot three arrows, then they'll shoot three. I'll go and cl- climb over the fence to get theirs back. And <laughs> but at least, yeah, you know, it's it's 12 arrows that I can shoot now and they enjoy themselves and yeah. you know, they're liking it. So um, it's one thing I um, I did buy some uh, some arrows with big rubber blunts on them. Right, the kids that you shoot that um, or you play that archery attack yeah. game yeah, yeah. so I bought two of them one each for the boys so they just have more fun trying to shoot me in the <laughs> in the bot bot with those <laughs> than actually shooting anything else dad's running out down, down. <laughs> pretty much yep <laughs> awesome well I guess that um, sort of leads beautifully into um, your business that you've got at, uh, I know when you first started that it was something that wasn't really around in Australia. Um, it's been pretty big in the States on different levels and um, different methods of archery. Been able to run some coaching and um, technique advice and that sort of stuff. Um, how did you sort of kick off with that and how did you find it when it first started? How was the reception of, you know, talk about your business, I guess, on the coaching side? Yeah, it, um, I, I basically started that I, um, I used to do a bit of, uh, just coaching on the side, just helping, help basically helping blokes out. Yeah, uh, I had a bow press, you know, it was in the country, so anyone around would, you know, come around and stuff. And then I thought, <coughs> you know, I should probably start advertising a bit and see if I can, you know, I just like helping people out, and I like people being able to 
uh, get better at the sport. You know, anytime you you're good at something, you want to continue it. Yep. Um, and I know from back in the day when I used to be involved with um, the ABA clubs and stuff that you people would come to the introductory day and they'd stay around for a couple of months and stuff, and then they wouldn't either they wouldn't get involved or they wouldn't learn anymore. Or they you know wouldn't be hitting the targets consistently enough, and they'd just peter off. So the membership level never really changed. Yeah, yeah. All these new people coming in, but all these people leaving at the same time. And I always thought that you know we needed to give people a bit more coaching, not just that introductory stuff, but then they need some intermediate coaching and a bit more advanced and just you know have a, a bit of a structured way. But um, for whatever reason, that never really happened. So I just took it on myself to you know try it. Um, I just advertised it once on Instagram or Facebook, and I was immediately inundated with people you know um, wanting to come around. And then one one person said, "Oh, oh, do you do seminars?" And, you know, about <laughs> 10 people put up, oh, I'd come to a seminar, I'll do it. So then I, next thing I'm running seminars and, um, you know, Queensland and Sydney and, you know, down I've run, yeah, heap down here, down this way and back home and stuff. So uh, it's been really good. Like, there's so much, I think people are really more, they want to learn nowadays. Yeah. You know, they, yep. they, they don't want to just, what we did back in the days, you know, try yep. and work it out themselves and stuff. You know, there's so much uh, information on YouTube and, um, on social media and things like that about how to shoot well, um, which is really good, but people still want that one-on-one. I think because it's um, almost information overload that having someone like yourself, one-on-one, small class setting, you can actually uh, pre-educate yourself to a point, but you want to cut through the bullshit in a way and have someone actually run through it and answer your personal questions. So I think um, YouTube's great and there's a whole bunch of people there um, that talk about no matter what, it is um, interest you have in life, but actually having someone that you know to pay, you know how much it is a day. What is it, about two hundred bucks a day for? Yep, a, yep um, that's cheap. You know to be able yeah. to sit down and have that, you know, face to face interaction is something that humans really desire and need. Yeah, in any learning and environment, and it's it's also just confirms what you've read <laughs> or what you've seen. Also, you know, so you, you might watch a, a YouTube video of you know John Dudley or Levi Morgan or something, and then you think, oh, is that really you know? really right or anything and then when someone else reaffirms that to you you think yeah that's right I'm going to go with that and then I'll follow that Yep. Um, but it's also good to have someone actually look at you shoot and make those little corrections yep, not, um, your, not your mate that's it yeah yep. you know look I had a fellow around um, on Friday um, who another mate's been trying to help him but he says oh you know he helps me but it's, he tells me 15 different things to do you know it's, it's too confusing and I said yeah yeah that's that's what happens you know when he's just trying to help you and he, he knew that he was trying to help him but he just he couldn't get the message across clearly we made three little changes and then I get a message you know the next day you know with groups at 40 of you know three inches and stuff yeah. like just from those three little changes um, he knew he was pretty good but he just he couldn't see what I could see and just make those couple of little changes and yep. and that's what sort of you know people benefit from from coming to see me or coming to the seminars and things um, the seminars also, like I have all my gear there, so I have every different release aid, all the different quivers, uh, stabilizers, that sort of stuff, so people can try them. Yeah, yeah. And I find that's, you know, you know what, you know yourself, like the, the cost of things nowadays, to buy a release aid's 300 bucks. Yeah, wow. Yep. You know, and yep. if you buy a release aid and you don't like it, oh, you've wasted your money, haven't you? Whereas you can come and try one. Oh, yeah, I like that kind of style of release aid, so then you, you, know, you can go and buy with confidence. Yeah, so, you know, for two hundred bucks, like people can save themselves that, you know, three or four times over with with bo- when it comes a- to buying And I guess different right shooters advice. too. Um, depends on where they're at. I know when you 
first watched me shoot the wheels and I was using um, caliper release and then you gave me that other um, <laughs> torture device that <laughs> gave me nothing but red eyes and blood nose. <laughs> you know, there's 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 also a whole bunch of other stuff that can, you know, hinge release and, you know, yeah. back tension, you know, trigger. There's heaps of different stuff that... Um, unless you actually look at it and pick it up and see how it operates, whether yeah. it's going to work well for you. And also get instruction on how to use it right from the start. Yeah. The biggest problem people have is they'll buy, and they might buy a, an evolution, like a back tension, a, a tension type release, and just not know how to use it. So they can't shoot it properly, so they think, oh, it's no good. I've wasted my money on it. Whereas if you 100%. get taught how to use it right from the start, whether it's that or a hinge or even, a, even an index finger yep. trigger one, uh, if you get taught right from the start, you haven't wasted your money, and you start learning the right way from, from the right beginning. From the start, yeah. And that's where I think that uh, watching stuff on YouTube, like we've already covered off on, but you know, you can you can watch, you know, like an Evo, and think, I wonder if that would work for me. It looks good, but actually feeling and and yeah. holding it in your hand, even it might not even fit your hand shape properly, that's it, you yeah. know, or whatever it may be, you know, you can go to a Scott or something different, you yeah. know, a different brand. I think, um, you know, education too is something that whether we like it or not as um, bow hunters, and I'll class myself as a bow hunter, uh, it's going to come, um, whether it's in five years, 10 years or 15 years time, I think that um, getting in front of the curve um, and getting yourself educated is something that will come, I think. Um, It's one of the only sports where you don't have a coach. Yep. You know, we've got all the other sports. You know, any team sport you've got a coach and not only to coach the team but they coach you individually and tell you what you're doing right what you're doing wrong uh you play golf if you, you know, start <laughs> golf you go down and you see the pro you yep. know if you're not if you're not hitting the ball well you go and see the pro you know but archery seems to be one of those things where <laughs> people don't do that oh no i can i can do that yeah yep. I'll, I'll get myself out of this yep. you know yeah I'll just will myself through target <laughs> panic <laughs> and i guess that's uh, an untouched topic as well the amount of different questions that people would have when they, you know, do come to a seminar and they are shooting badly, it, c- it can be something that you see that you talk about target panic and what is that, and and without having to get too confusing, you can explain it well to people, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we spend a a, a, a good portion of the time talking about target panic. I know a uh, good mate of mine, Ian Summers, says don't talk about target panic. <laughs> if you talk about it, it'll come. Yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. But I believe that you need to. People need to know how how target panic develops so you can short circuit that and not have it yep. happen in the at the start yep. um, and it all comes down to how you how you use your release aid and how you aim yep. or, or what you think what your thought process is when you're aiming and if you can nut those things out it's pretty simple and if you can learn that and learn that early you, you save yourself you know a hell of a lot of trouble um, and I find nowadays like I get people that will come to the seminar that have been you know shooting for six months and they look like they've been shooting for five years yeah, because they've got all that previous information, and they come, come and see me, and I just solidify that. You know, yeah, yep, this is you're doing the right thing here and here and here. You need to change this little bit here, and then they go away, and they, you know, it's just so much better. So form, I guess, for anyone listening, um, you know, that's interested in what Brad's doing and and um, advancing a little more, form something else that. Um, you look at in the seminar and how people are standing and yep. release and draw and all that sort yep. of stuff. Yeah, you know? so the the seminars, we have three designated shooting sessions for probably an hour at least. So we'll go through a bit of theory, go out and shoot, work on what we've just talked about in the first part yep. of the theory, come back, there's some more theory, we go and shoot again, work on that what we've just talked about again um, and then do the same at the end of the day. Sort of thing. So yeah, there's plenty of... That's why we keep the class sizes only to 
eight yeah. or ten. I don't, you know, I tried a little bit more for one seminar. Too and much. It's just too much. Yeah. So eight's a really good number. I can stretch it out to ten, um, especially if I'm up in Sydney and I've got Ian to help me. Yeah. But eight's a really good number because I can get around to everyone and everyone gets some really good, you know, one-on-one time as well. So yeah, um, yeah, makes a big difference. Do you think um, other like clubs have? Well, uh, that's pretty a pretty political question that I'm trying to ask in a nice way. Some clubs have um, their own uh, training agenda. Do you do you think, or you might might not even have experienced it? Do you think that clubs would be open to having an outsider coming to um, give some advice? Um, some clubs are, and I've um, been approached by one club to come and do stuff, which I'm going to do in the next month or two. Yep. Um, yeah, some clubs it's a bit of a closed shop, um, and they you know just trying to uh, yeah I don't want to say yep. too much I don't want to yep. burn any bridges or anything no I, no that's look, okay the the people that are in clubs and the coaches are, do it all voluntary yep, you know they 100%. do a great job to get everyone yep. involved and get them started and things um, the one thing that has always been an issue with clubs is they don't a lot of the time they don't get that follow up sort of stuff um, and this is with the bow hunting type clubs if you yep. go to uh, you know. Diamond Valley Arches or something like that. They've got a full-on coaching program that takes you all the way through. You know, they, they're really good like that, those sort of the target archery clubs. And um, the bowing type clubs don't have that as much. And, yeah. and we need to sort of build on that, I think. I think so. It's, it's, it's something that um, as archery's become, you know, you saw the, the same growth curve. I think um, the last five to seven years, archery's really, um, you know, enjoyed a... A rebirth. Yeah, it's you know? it's it's re- there's yeah, heaps heaps more. Yeah. And there's that, um, like you said, that thirst for knowledge. At the same time, I think um, anyone can walk in off the street and buy a bow from a firearm shop, you know, or from a sporting goods shop. Yep. And the guy that's behind the counter might not necessarily know the relevant legislation, even in relation to hunting different animals, bow pull weights, all that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and if we can get people tied back into clubs and club shooting and, uh, you know, not just going there for a club shoot, but you're mixing with hunters and with guys that just strictly shoot targets, you know, I think it's a good, it can only be a good thing. Oh, you know? definitely, yeah. So, uh, I've got a, a group of uh, five blokes that I've been coaching all individually. They don't know each other. Um, and then we all we organised them all to come to the last um, 3D shoot. We all shot together and now there's a, WhatsApp group, we've all been on a on a hunt together, you know, for the weekend, all that sort of stuff. So it's a and that's where I met all of my hunting mates. They're all from archery clubs and stuff like that. Yep. You know, going to different shoots. So there's the benefits of you get to shoot under pressure, you get to shoot <laughs> in different environments, all that sort of stuff, which improves your shooting, but you also get to meet like minded people. Like yep. Where else do you meet them? Yep. You know? Um I know a lot of people don't like the idea of clubs and things. And and that is that's you know, it, they don't like it because they haven't been and got involved with it. You know, if they go along, they'll see that it's such. Yeah, it can be such a great, uh, a great way to a good asset. Yeah, yeah. Um, we try and keep the podcast to an hour, and I think I've bladdered on with you for the last half an hour about um, your business and that sort of stuff. Um, very, very recently on social media, you posted a photo of an absolute cracker of a stag. Um, you've been on a hunt recently. Yeah, yeah. Funny about that. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. throwing rocks at you. Just uh, uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. No, look, I yeah. Um, if anyone's seen it, I shot a, a nice samba 
Um, nice. Quit. My lord, it was just something that... <laughs> yeah, it was bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm involved in a, uh, a TV show um, at the moment. It's, it's called The Season. Um, and it's we, it should be out on uh, Channel 9 either later this year or early next year. Yep. Um, it's being produced by um, a fellow that does work with on the block and stuff. So yep. it's targeted not so much as at, at hunters, more at the general public. So it's about sort of sustainable hunting and uh, meat harvest and things like that. Yep. Um, and it follows different hunters all throughout Australia. So um, if you like seen um, in Queensland... In the Territory, New South Wales, uh, and a fella down here called uh, Pat Calvin. Um, he's sort of new to bow hunting. He just runs ultra marathons and stuff like that. So he's sort of the the star of the show. And I'm the I'm the, the <laughs> I was I was supposed to be in the pilot just as the uh, mentor slash coach. Yeah, right. And uh, they dragged me in to do a little a, a bit more. So they're going to follow us through uh, the whole year to try and get Patty's first deer. So we we're off up at Mansfield chasing the fellow during the rut and. Uh, we had some really good encounters with some deer, had a good time. Um, I recently got a rifle last year because, True. Yep. as I said, on the social media thing with the uh, with the kids and stuff, I just don't get the time to hunt as much. Yeah. And I need to keep the, the freezer full of meat. So yep. I thought I'll get a rifle, hunt early in the year with that, get some meat in the freezer and then back Same reason the I do. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, it comes to the last day. We haven't shot a deer. I thought, well, Pat's going to shoot the deer. I'm not going to get a shot at a, at a buck. So I'll just take the rifle just in case, you know, we can't get close or anything and I might be able to um, get a doe or something like that. So <laughs> anyway, we s- cut a long story short. We're stalking along, um, chasing a couple of fellow and we're on the edge of the tea tree. They're out in the paddock and they s- sort of started to spook and started to come up into the tea tree, into the bush. So we thought we'd back off, get around them, get up top of the hill where we thought they were going to go in bed. Um... And as we did that, we've sort of probably backtracked a couple of hundred metres and out of the tea tree, or just uh, we're coming out of the tea tree and Pat just says, deer, and just stopped. And in the corner of my right eye, I could just see this hind just sort of slowly making her way up out of the tea tree over into the next gully. And so I chambered around, thought, right, I'll just shoot her. He's not going to be able to shoot her. Just as I did that, this stag <laughs> came out flying about 20 metres behind. I thought, oh, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> so I went into full hunt mode, yeah. um, said, see you, Pat. <laughs> uh, just Catches. left, just yeah. left him. Actually, I said to him, I said, "Call, call, <laughs> use the call." It didn't pull the deer up, so I, yeah, I chased him up for about uh, probably five or six hundred meters, and yep. uh, had a couple of half opportunities, but I've only got a three oh eight, so I had one Texas heart shot. I was going to take that, so I just had to keep following him, and um, they finally busted out of some tea tree. The hind was just went through a gully and up over the hill, and the stag was. You know, probably 50 yards behind her and I called him and he, he finally stopped he had his head and chest behind the tree and I oh no so typically yeah, yeah so luckily I was able to get on the other side of my tree use that as a rest and 70 yards I shot him and dropped him um, and I just couldn't <laughs> believe it like I was actually he just dropped on the spot like it doesn't happen with bow hunting so he'd yeah. run off I thought I spined him because that's what happens when you're bow hunting he drops on the spot <laughs> you're spined him so I sat there just gathering my breath you know trying to get rid of the shakes and looking at him through the binos to see whether he was moving. He hadn't moved. So after about five minutes, I walked up and he was yeah, dead. And um, then I saw how big he was. Like When he actually came out of the tea tree, he's a big-bodied animal. And with his head back, I didn't really get a good <laughs> glimpse at how big... I, you know, he had a good rack and he, 
you know, yeah. it's, it's going to be a good meat animal. Yeah. And I thought I'd get some knife handles for you out of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we got him on the ground, yeah, he's too big for knife handles, yeah. mate. Sorry. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so we cut him up and took him back to camp and uh, getting the head, I'm going to get the head mounted and things. So, and it's, yeah, I, I put it up, I, it took me a while before I actually showed anyone because I, you know, being yeah. the bow hunting coach that yep. shoots Amber with a rifle. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit of a, I, I just couldn't, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. A bit uh, oil and water. Yeah. So, um, but. Uh, People got to understand though, like as you said at the beginning, that there's so many guys out there um, that I'm exactly the same. I've, I don't know, I've got a cupboard full of guns, um, but I absolutely love my bow hunting. But when the meat's not in the freezer, yeah, it's quite easy to run out and grab some, so to speak, from the um, bush supermarket. Yep. Um, and then you got that monkey off back, then you can go back to bow hunting. Yeah, you know? that's that was the plan. And I, you know, I'd carried the bow, uh, carried the rifle like three times or something like that. Yep. You know, and th- the second thing I shot was this thing. Like I shot a fellow doe a couple of months before, and the second thing I shot was this. Massive, <laughs> like it was just I don't yeah. a behemoth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I was debating whether to actually, you know, post any photos or anything. And the more I thought about it, like Sambra are really, like, they're a tough animal to hunt at the absolutely. best of times. You know, yeah, absolutely. I know lots of people that have hunted for years with a rifle and not even seen something like that, let alone, yep. you know. And I'm always, always of the belief, like, you know, you can go out and you might shoot a really big deer, a really big pig or whatever it is on your first hunt. Yep. You know, it doesn't make it any less of a hunt totally because you or you know make you less of a hunter because you've shot that on your first one because you're going to spend the next 20 years trying to <laughs> you know get near it and I'm going to spend the next 20 years trying to get something like this again with the bow <laughs> um, so I finally reconciled with myself that yeah I c- it's acceptable that I can say that I've shot it with a rifle and I'm I'll happy enough and uh, I've as we were talking before I, I put it up on social media and I was surprised I had probably over you know Five or six hundred comments, and not one negative comment so, whatsoever. So good, so it good. It's just awesome, and it just goes to show how, you know, how we've come, uh, how circle. much we've uh, improved as hunters. You know, like yep. not having a go at anyone for, oh, you know, you just rifle shot that, or you, you know, what are you doing with a bow? Uh, what are you doing with a rifle bow hunting coach, or you know, anything like that? Like people sort of, yeah. Um, the way that you posted it, though, I think is is uh, something that. Some people could probably take a, a leaf out of your book that there was no um, non-suggestion of maybe I shot it with a rifle, maybe I shot it with a bow or whatever. You were just straight up, um, hey guys, this is how it is, this is what I thought about. You actually spoke about it in your post, I think, um, you know, that, that procrastination that you had. Um, but here it is, this is what I've done. And, and I think that that honesty is all kudos to you, man, because it's something that Honesty these days in relation to taking of game, no matter what it is, male, female, big, small, um, is something that people question, you know. They're like, oh, how did he really shoot that? And if it came out later that you had shot it with a rifle when you hadn't actually, you know, said that, that that would have been more damaging. The only, I've got a couple of photos with the rifle in in the photo, but the deer doesn't look very good. And when we moved the deer around to get a better photo on that, I forgot to put the rifle there and... I, and I, I know where my bow sits when I shoot a deer. <laughs> I don't know where my rifle sits in yeah. a safe, a yeah. safe manner. Yeah. I had my rifle sit there safe, yeah. and uh, so that's probably the only reason there's no photo of the of the actual rifle. But yeah, I was never going to lie about it. Like I've, yeah. 
Yeah. But I've, you've been hunting for long enough, you don't need to either. But yes, I think that every um, young hunter, old hunter, doesn't matter where you are, um, you know, there's so many guys out there that are just awesome with their um, truth and, and what has happened. Um, but people don't need to get, uh, you know, the jitters up that oh, I really need to prove to people that I did this with this weapon system. You know, however it's taken, it's how it's taken, you know. Yeah. And, um, mate, that is just an absolutely magnificent animal. Just to even looking at it in, I don't know how many times I went back to the post just to look at it like, I appreciate the animal for what it is. And, yeah. and like you, you uh, touched on before, that any Samba is a, is a prize in my eyes. Um, and it can take people, you know, a whole Samba hunting career to actually find an animal like that. That's it. Just like, to see one, let yeah. alone, you know. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I... I ended up thinking like you know it's yeah you just don't it just doesn't happen and uh, there's no way I would have shot that with a, a bow like I shouldn't say no way there's a slimmer chance yeah I would have had to keep following them up and hope that I would have got onto them and got closer I shot it at 70 yards I'd never be able to shoot that with a you know, I'd, I can shoot 70 yards and if the deer was stay if I knew he was going to stay there and he was tied to the tree I would have taken <laughs> yeah. that shot but at 70 yards with a bow he's you know, yeah. he's well gone so yeah. Um, yeah. especially because yeah he was he heard a sound where I, you know, tried to call him. So, um, well done. So yeah, just take it. And, yeah. So, can you say who you're taking it to for taxidermy, or is that something you're coming to yourself? I haven't decided. I haven't decided so, yet. Yeah. I'll have a go. Never done it before, but I'll have a go. <laughs> <laughs> you might get a doe back. I, I was going to say, I'll, <laughs> we'll come back here and it'll have only half half its antlers because <laughs> the rest of it made knives. Yep. <laughs> oh, I don't know what happened there. That <laughs> 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 an accident on the pencil. Yeah, no, he's um, yeah, he's going to. Look good on the wall. He will uh, like it's always going to be a thing for me where I'll have, you know, him sitting on the wall and people will come in and see all my deer heads and I'll say, yeah, well, I shot that one with a rifle. Yeah. I'll have to put a um, put a red nose on him. Or something <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> the, the talking deer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. I've got a big buffalo at home, a pedestal mount um, that's actually not mine. It's a mate of mine. So everyone comes in and they see this buffalo. Like, oh, that's good. And like, yeah, it's not mine. I yeah. didn't shoot that one. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, I just yeah, I didn't shoot that one either. With but bow. <laughs> talking about um, animals that you have taken, um, you shot a big woolly cow. Yeah, musk ox. Yeah, got yeah. those skins back um, a couple of months ago. Fantastic. So, and a, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was lucky enough to get, get a um, sort of reduced price hunt over to Greenland with Ben Solaris and uh, the brown fox. And um, Benny's a fantastic advocate yeah. for bow hunting yeah, in the world. No, he's really good. Well, he's in the show too, so he'll yep. be in the in the, in the season yep. uh, later in the year. Um, yeah, so we went over and we were lucky enough to shoot a, a couple of musk ox and um, after a lot of well, COVID and a lot of messing around with the taxidermy over there, we finally got the skins back two years almost to the day wow. after we shot them. Yeah. Um, so the head's up in Queensland, going to get taxidermied up, taxidermied up there. Yep. Uh, and this, uh, yeah, the skins, so I've got a back skin from the bull and yep. I've got a full rug from the cow that I shot. Awesome. Um, they're just yeah. But as soon as I came home and put them out on the ground, my wife said, "Oh, they're magnificent. Can we get some more?" I said, "Yes, we can." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as I can travel to Greenland again, I'll get some I'm more. Off. Yeah. <laughs> so how did that unfold? Like they're a, a hard animal, I believe, to shoot because people shoot too low, but their their hair hangs down. Yeah, their hair hangs right almost to the ground. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a bit of a on my hunts now I do a lot of uh, research before I go so I was looking at a lot of photos and a lot of anatomical photos of musk ox before I went to, to make sure 
uh, where I needed to hit them and they have a big hump that comes over the back and if you drop, draw a line straight down from there, halfway between the top of their back and the, the ground, that's about where their heart is. So yep. um, according to the anatomical things, but it's actually a little bit back from there. So <laughs> the one that I shot, I actually shot him in the front leg, um, <laughs> the first shot, and uh, crippled him and I was able to follow him up pretty quickly and yeah, stuff. Yep. Um, but I, <laughs> with the preparation, I, I Greenland was going to be minus 35. Wow. So... I ordered strings from a bow with the express um, instructions that they needed to be able to you know, handle that temperature. I put my release aid, my sight and my rest in the freezer for a week, <laughs> pulled them out to see whether they still worked. Um, I, tried to hunt, I tried to shoot with all my gear on um, and it was like 40 degrees <laughs> in <laughs> February. You look like I mean, a Coles <laughs> freezer person. <laughs> I, I've, tried, I, I've got a great video. I'll show it at the seminar tomorrow. That I, I've got all my gear on and I shoot one arrow and then I have to take it all off like a down jack and down pants and all this sort of stuff. Um, it, it makes And it made a difference because with, my, with the gloves that I was shooting and my face mask or face veil, um, I would shoot about three inches left at 50 yards. Yeah, wow. Um, and if I took the gloves off or the face mask down, it would be an inch and a half left. Yeah. So yeah. at least I knew that. So if I was, and when I did shoot, I was ac actually able to pull the face veil down um, and just had the gloves on, but I knew I needed to aim um, an inch and a half back or an inch back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from where I was going to shoot, so. And was it snowing the day you... No, crystal clear, didn't snow at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's sort of there. It's their spring, and it's a pretty dry spring, so it's just a dry, cold heat. Yeah. The, yeah. the morning we got, we shot it. It was minus thirty-five. We got went outside, and all our eyebrows and eyelashes froze. <laughs> and that's where you lost your hair. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I cut it off beforehand because I didn't want it to freeze. Yeah, yep. Stick to my helmet. Smart, smart man, right there. <laughs> but uh, it's just a fantastic hunt, you know. Driving around, riding around Green Greenland on uh, quad bikes on tracks, looking for musk oxes, wow. just. Awesome. Oh, There's just the scenery and the, you know, it's just something to behold, isn't it? Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. I think that international uh, hunting has more than just um, the treasure of being able to come back and relay what you've done. But when you're there and you're experiencing some of these places, it really is just, you know, magnificent. Like it's something that I can't encourage people enough to go and do, mm. you know, yep. uh, to get outside of Australia and you're. When you hunt in Australia, you're used to the Australian bush and the noises and how loud our bird life is compared to some yeah. other places. Yep. You know, I've um, been to some places in America where you only hear that woodpecker. Woodpecker. That's it. You yep. know, and that's or it. squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> and you're thinking, it just sounds so dead. So it's different. so quiet. Yeah. 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 So. And then you come home and you've got everything going off in the morning. Yeah. yeah. It's just amazing. Which is awesome to hear, mm. you know. Um, but those, you know, when... Uh, Went over to New Zealand, even seeing the, you know, when we were hunting in that um, glacial sort of, well, had a, having to transverse across the, this glacial territory, and you, the first time you hear that ice pack go, yeah, you think, shit, has someone shot at me? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then it, you realise that it's, it's just all of that, that yeah. ice compressing, you know, just magnificent, you know. And that's the one thing about hunting and, and archery in general, like you can. You know, I've travelled a lot with it, and you get to do that. Like it's, yeah. Know, I would never have been to Greenland if it wasn't for the opportunity to totally. hunt muskox. And I'm so glad I did. Like I'd definitely, you know, it's on my list as the kids get older to, you know, take them over there and, you know, whether Can they hunt or we just it. go over for a trip. Like it's just, it's, yeah, the people awesome. you meet and things like that. It's just unbelievable. Mm. 
and America, you've been over there and you've chased elk around? Yeah, chased elk around a lot. Yep. <laughs> yep. Spent probably 10 years. <laughs> you know three of them by name. <laughs> they're, my, they're my nemesis. <laughs> I've, I've, oh, I've shot a few, but I've just, I haven't got a big, yeah, shot yep. a big bull yet. Yep. Um, but it'll, close. Well, it might come eventually. Close, but no tin team. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I heard a podcast a while back as a fellow was saying, you know, you only have so many elk seasons in you. <laughs> and I, I'm getting to the end of my yeah, elk season, yeah. so I'm going to have to make it happen. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to get one that's drugged or tied to a tree or something. <laughs> that's the way I'm going. <laughs> uh, that's something, something to behold in you. Um, you know, hear elk bugling, you know. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah. It really is something that, Man, if you're looking forward to heading over to the States and um, checking out stuff over there, getting close to Brown Bear and, to, um, you know, even even just seeing their muleys and stuff, it's just so different. But hearing elk bugle, yeah, that's something it's that different. just... Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah. Especially yeah. when they, you know, you get a group of them going off and stuff like that. It's just, yeah. Or wolves. Uh, I know the first time I heard yep. wolves howling. There must be something primal in us that when uh, a pack of wolves start howling, I I think I turn myself inside out. To <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> they just have a real difference. You yeah. know, like wild dogs are nothing. Yeah. You know? No, no, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's the thing because you, you you hear coyotes howling there all the time. Yeah. But yeah, you hear a wolf and you know it's not a coyote. Yeah, or anything that's like that. that's nothing an alpha. Like that. <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> trees. No, fantastic. It's it's also um, good to experience different cultures and stuff as well, you know. And as you're saying, bow hunting takes us to these areas that um, you may not have experienced or reached out to, but you also get to meet bow hunters that may be um, from an Asiatic period or, or um, country that might shoot with a horse bow or something yeah. yep. so different to what we normally do. Yeah, and know? just like the the stories that you have around camp and stuff. You know, when we're in Greenland, like the stories that the guide was talking about you know when he was 18 he fell through the ice with his you know with his dogs and his dog sled and stuff like that nearly you know nearly died and then and another time when they're driving some little old swiss army um <laughs> tractor yep. sort of thing and they fell through the ice because the driver didn't stay on the right course or something <laughs> like that and he's in there it's sinking and they're all he's helping all the people out of the out of the manhole sort of thing, and uh, then he gets out, and they go, "Oh, the gun!" So we had to go back in and get the <laughs> like all the stories and things that you hear about it, and um, and just the way they live, like you know, they they shoot their subsistence, they shoot for yeah. for meat the whole time. Yep. You know, anything they shoot. He, um, this guy, he Carsten used to be a, um, a sea captain, right? and they said they go out and they they shot a whale. Wherever on the coast they shot the whale, they'd radio the nearest town and they'd drag the whale in there. And then everyone from the town had come down and helped cut up the whale. Yeah. And then they get to take some of the meat home because there was so much meat on it, they couldn't cut it up. You know, just the crew on the boat couldn't yep. do it without the townsfolk. And that's what they do. You yep. know, they just all share. It's, like, it's um, uh, you know, the Inuits do the same sort of thing. You know, the it, it isn't a supermarket, go and grab a Macca's meal when you're hungry. It's actually, you know, I mean, we in the Western world, I think, it's particularly in Australia, Australia is such a peaceful place to live and nothing you could want for in Australia. But we still, I mean, I do. I really enjoy growing my own vegetables and being a bit more self-reliant and going hunting my own meat. Um, but I always have the fallback of going down to Coles if it, yeah. you know, it's wet yeah. and rainy and I haven't been hunting for a month and there's no meat in the freezer. But those guys do it because they have to. That's right. You know. It's on touching on that, like it's amazing how many people now are trying are doing the same thing. Want to harvest their own meat, 
you know, grow their own veggies, that sort of stuff. Like it's become a real, um, you know, a real thing in. in I think in COVID really pushed that. Um, even before that, it was it was happening a lot. It was growing, yeah. you know, and and I think people opened their eyes up to say, well, hey, if the shelves are empty, yeah, what do well I that, do? That made a big difference because had a few people come around, you know, wanting to learn to bow hunt because <laughs> yeah. they couldn't get meat at Coles, <laughs> and they're still uh, vegetarians. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I always joke because uh, you know uh, when I run, ever I run the seminars, you know, one of the questions I ask is, oh, you know. What, what brings you along and you know quite often there's someone who'll say oh you know oh, here, I want to learn to harvest my own meat I say well <laughs> the rifle club's down the road <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you might be lucky but you know <laughs> it's not a guaranteed outcome for no, sure it's, uh, the, the bow hunting is very hard but very enjoyable like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me going from um, wheels back to trad shooting um for me, being able to come back from when I've decided that the hunt's over for the morning and I'm not um, seriously hunting and I'm walking back to camp, the amount of joy that I get, particularly if I've, I've um, met up with a buddy that's also a trad um, shooter, trump, um, stump shooting, so to yeah. speak, on the way back, you know, and that friendly banter that you can get. You don't do the same thing with a compound when you're drilling an arrow into the ground yeah, at 340 <laughs> feet per second. You're like, well, there it goes, 20 bucks. But... Um, certainly with the trad stuff, it, it sort of uh, allows you to be a kid again. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, seeing an old cow skull or a cow pat or a bit of grass and you nominate it, you know, and yep. shooting at it and just having fun. It takes us back to when, when you were talking about um, chasing around bunnies and stuff with your bodkins. And, yeah. You know, it's... Um, it. But even with the compound, like even when you get back to camp, you can sit there and you can shoot 50 arrows. Yep. You don't spook anything. Yep. You, you know, with a rifle, you wouldn't sit there and... You know, shoot fifty rounds. Oh hell no! You know, so three three out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll be coming back to see you because I think that I've slipped a rib level <laughs> on my shoulder. <laughs> no. but yeah, that's the and that's the advantage of, of you know archery and stuff because I've been thinking about that you know a lot lately since I've got the gun. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've shot. I've you know because I like to be accurate, so I've gone to the range and shot yep. it, make sure I can shoot. You know, all that sort of stuff, but. You know, at home I can just pull the bow out and I can shoot any time. Yeah. You know, I can't continually practice with the with the rifle because I just don't have the. You know, I live on an acre, but I'm only on an acre. Yeah. You know, I need to be. Yeah. It's a uh, bit um, disturbing for the neighbours, man. Yeah. It's it's right, just I'm just <laughs> practicing. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but it is, I think, too. The, um, I mean, we've shared camp um, a few times and um, with some other guys as well. And and while someone's flipping burgers, so to speak, for lunch. You can still talk and communicate with the. You can put a three D target yeah. out, you know, yep. and still talk and be part of the conversation. And not everyone's in hearing protection. And, and yes, that's right. No one walk this way because you're going to, yeah. you know, be impacted by a round in two seconds. Yeah, you know, it is a fantastic thing. And even that um, for me, having you guys, you know, when um, one year when I was, I was with you and um, Al Bowman, um, you know, a couple of other superstars from the Australian bow scene, we're all together. I was able to. Um, have you guys helped me, co you know, coach me through some of the issues I was having and get further and um, down the road with the stuff that I was doing right and wrong. And I remember when Al picked me up because I was I was self-taught with a compound, and the amount of things I was doing wrong, my anchor points were all over the joint. Yeah. I was, wasn't getting that contact on, you know, three points of contact, all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, and it was so difficult for me to change, but when I did and focused on the fact that these guys know what they're talking about. Um, you know how how much 
that improved my shooting and enjoyability as well. I was able to get on target consistently, yeah. you know, because of those small things like you spoke about before, someone else looking at you, identifying that you're not actually... Yeah, because, you know. uh, and that's the thing, and it's the same with being a physio. Like, you, you don't, I teach people exercises all the time, and they can't see what they're doing, you know, what you think you're doing and what you're actually doing. Two, are, are totally two different things. things. So I take video of everyone now yep. with their shooting, or. It's just because you're weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, y- you know, if you've got that feedback and you can say, I show you, all oh, right, see, the string's not touching your nose, and you go, oh, it's not either. It's, you know, to the side of it, or whatever it I is. You can it actually was. see it, you know. You think it wasn't, you think you're doing the right thing, but you, you're thinking of so many things when you're trying to shoot that you yep. miss little things, so. Yeah. Where your shoulder position is, how yeah. your elbow is, you That's know, yep. over gripping, under gripping, all of that sort of stuff. You know. Yeah, um, I know that uh, I, I might be putting you on the spot here, but years ago when um, I think we were first, we sort of like hung out. You're talking about <coughs> when you are practicing, you don't actually need to practice at that 50 meters. That when you're practicing your form, you can do that at like 10 meters. Yeah, yeah, you know, because you should be practicing. There's two types of practicing. There's practicing, so practicing something. So I'm, you know, I might go out and I'm having trouble with my anchor, so I go out and I practice that. Well, I can do that at 10 yards. I yep. don't need to be shooting at a distance, and I, and I, you probably shouldn't be trying to shoot at a distance. Because then a you're not focusing on your anchor. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're thinking about where you're going. So um, I got a lot. Uh, George Riles is one of the um, big coaches in the states. He does a lot of sort of indoor archery and stuff, and he tells all his students that you sh- there's only Two types of shooting. There's practice, and when you're practicing, you shouldn't have a target up, right? And you should just do that at ten yards. You're practicing something. Yep. And then when you're shooting, you put a target up and you score it. So you're actually doing something deliberate. Yep. Don't just put a target up and sh- and say you're practicing and just shoot away, because that's when sort of target panic can come in and yep. all that sort of stuff. Because you you're not concentrating on anything really, and you just you get more results driven because you're just looking at where the arrows went yeah. rather than what you did. That's that that yeah, that was hit that hit the nail right on the head because that's what the advice was that you you uh, gave me all those years ago. And I think that these small tip bits, no matter who it is that you're hanging out with, um, you know, it, provided they've got some pedigree in in their um, conversation and what they're saying, you know, I, I would never step forward to give people advice in archery because you know, even though I can and have killed animals and I can shoot a bow or right, I'm certainly, you know, you might look at what I do and go, holy moly, you're, you're all backwards, you know. So Yeah, but there's levels. So you can, you know, if someone's new to the sport, you can certainly give them advice and stuff. Yeah. Because you've shot, you know, for a certain amount of time and stuff. So you'll know enough. The The thing with giving people advice is just don't give them too much. Yeah. That's yep. the only thing, you know. And know where your limitation is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can talk more to people probably about how to get on target, you know, how to stalk yep. um the actual shooting I'm, i've given some people advice that have just been like my wife brand new at least getting her on target has been like as in hitting a target we only started at 10 yards and 20 pounds yeah you know we're still there you like you've done a lot of rifle shooting yep so a lot of those skills long range rifle shooting and bow hunting are exactly the same transferable very transferable right i've got a couple of blokes um that are you know, sort of special ops sort of blokes and we've spoken a lot about it and, you know, everything they get taught for long-range shooting is basically the same stuff that you need to yep. get for bow hunting. 
Yeah. Um, the only difference is, is when you're shooting a rifle, especially long range, you've got to rest. So you're relaxed, trying to relax as much as possible. When you've got a bow, you're trying to pull the thing apart. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you've got all that muscular tension. That's pretty much the only difference. But the thought pattern is the same. You know, it's just that nice, slow um, trigger squeeze, which with whatever it is. Yep. Um, and just trying to ignore the pin and just look at what you want to hit. Yes. You know, following through, trying to relax as much as possible and follow through. So, you know, with we'll t you know, talk about it a bit more later on, but with your rifle background, like, yeah, you should be able to teach, you know, uh, the basics of uh, more the not so much the mechanics of it, but the thought process of how yeah. to shoot, as you said, you know, how to get onto target and stuff like that. That, uh, that's you know, we won't roll down that rabbit hole too hard, but I think that, um, for me, the biggest mistake that I've seen people make with their bow is the inability to let down yeah. or to let the target go yep. um, and just wait for a better shot and they feel like they have to get that arrow away. Yeah. You know, and that's where I think that they, um, for me, it's, it's a mistake because they always shoot poorly, I think, or lesser than they would have if they'd learnt to let down and go, it's okay, I can let down and yep. come back onto target with a with a better shot and better shot opportunity. Yeah. And that, that even comes back to the bow that you that you choose to shoot you know one of the first things i teach people is to don't buy a speed bow because in a hunting situation you want to be able to let down yeah the speed bow is really hard to draw and really hard to let down they just want to jump out of your hand you want a nice smooth bow that you can let down properly so you know if that animal's walking along and it's just head behind a tr or, you know chest behind a tree and you're holding for a minute and you need to let down you can let down nice and smoothly without spooking it and then be able to draw again you can't do that as well with you know a lot of the speed bows totally and I, I think that it's it's um Actually, a really good segue into what the one of the closing segments of what I want to talk to you about. Um, so, listeners that are thinking about getting into bow hunting or where do they start and shop and that sort of stuff, let's just say that I'm brand new to bow hunting um, and people talk about being overbowed and all that sort of stuff. If they can't attend one of your seminars, what's something that should they be looking for, I guess, in... Well, first and foremost, if they can't come to the seminar, clubs are the next best thing because they'll at least start you off on the right track. Third to that is going to, uh, going to a, one of the shops, you know, so down here would be Urban Archery or Oz yep. Hunting and Bows. Um, and most of the time they'll set you up with, you know, generally the right bow and the right draw length and things like that. Blokes, some of us are, you know, and I've been in that camp a lot of the time, you know, oh, we need, I need a 70-pound bow or an 80-pound bow when you don't, right? So the rule of thumb for me is if you can sit down on your bum with your legs out straight and if you can draw the bow comfortably like that, that's the poundage. Yep. Right? So if you if it's if you can only draw fifty pound like that, that's where you start. Yep. You know, if you can draw sixty, it's sixty. Whatever it is. I've got one hundred and forty pound compound. Yeah, bet you can't do that <laughs> sitting down, eh? <laughs> but okay. that's the thing, and that's where yeah. you see people when they're overbowed, like they're trying to, you know, pull their shoulder out, trying to get the bow back. Yep. And you might, you know, that's fine for one or two shots, but if you're new to it and you you want to shoot as much as you can, so I always suggest to people. If they can shoot a 60-pound bow relatively comfortably, wind it down to 55 and just so you can shoot lots and lots of reps, get really good form, you know, get that muscle memory happening really well yep. and then wind it up as you go. Um, I think when I started the coach, that I had I had a 60-pound bow, we wound it down to 50 and I shot with 50 for a month. Then every month I would wind it up two pounds until I got to 60 Yep. and then I went and bought a 70-pound bow and wound that back down to 60 and did the same thing. So over... 10 months it took me to go from 50 pound to 70 pound yeah yep. um, and then we went to 80 pound and, <laughs> and that's almost well that's what they did in the day yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had your english war bow at the uh, end of the year i tell people i had a yeah. i had an 84 pound hoyt 
uh, Magnatec back in the day as oh a, cast, a cast riser. Uh. And I was uh, house-sitting for some people in Bendigo. And so I was just winter and I was in the garage, in their garage. I took a target up and was just line bailing, so just shooting at five yards. Well, I drew this thing back once and it just went bang. The handle broke in half. 84 pounds hit me in the... Oh right at the top of the head, <laughs> inside a garage. So you can imagine the noise that it made. And I was just, I was stunned from the idle wheel hitting me in the head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 20 birds and bells. And I'm standing there with half of the handle, all the rest of the boat dangling down with the string. I only found two parts of the arrow. I don't know where the rest was in the garage somewhere. <laughs> so don't be overboat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 74 pound bow might, 70 pound bow might not have hurt as much. Yeah. I'm too sorry. <laughs> well, adding to that, a good mate of mine, Matt Leach, is um is a bit of a quiet achiever, and he's not really on social media that much. But um, he's quite shot quite a lot with his bow as well. But talking about um, shooting to your maximum poundage, he was solo hunting and um, rolled out of bed in the early morning. It was uh, winter up in the um, Alpine High Country, and there was a magnificent stag, just unaware of him. And it was rolling through his camp, basically. And um, he was hunting with a bow that was at his maximum draw weight uh, for him. And because it was cold and first thing in the morning, he just could not pull the bow back. He couldn't. I have nightmares of that. <laughs> and he's just watched this huge, mag this magnificent stag just still just eating clover, doing its thing, just walking past. And he was like, yah, 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 and just couldn't and gave up. You know, so um, I literally have dreams about that. I don't know whether other people do. <laughs> you, know, you have dreams of falling and things like that. I don't have dreams of falling. <laughs> I have dreams of you know, a big stag walking past, and I can't. Why can't I draw this bow back? Why can't I draw? It's not moving. Mind you, I think if I had my bow on the ground somewhere and Brad had opportunity, he would somehow seize my wheel so that stand I'm on you <laughs> to get a bit, a bit more yeah. elevation yeah. i have been known to push people out of the way <laughs> or shoot over their shoulders it's the advantage of being tall yeah <laughs> good mate of mine's got an earring now <laughs> yeah, the same size as carbon <laughs> express arrow yeah. oh, look i think um bow hunting really i mean um it, it isn't just about going out and putting um, an arrow in an animal there's so much more to it and I think for me if nothing else it's taught me to be a, a really good uh, stalker that it's got me closer to the animals because I've set distances myself that I won't shoot over mm. so even with um, you know I'm shooting with a Matthews bow um, at the moment it's quite capable of being able to put holes in animals at long distance but I'm, I'm a 35 metre yeah it, you know. that's where you need to be I, I remember when I, last year when I was debating about getting the gun I was speaking to um, the gun shop and talking about you know uh, what calibre and stuff I should get what he thought and things and you know, he was saying oh look I shoot all my deer within 50 to 80 yards you know so I walked away and I thought yeah, I can shoot 80 yards easy <laughs> I'll just go out don't get a gun just practice and shoot longer you know extend your range out and then I started thinking well yeah 80 yards, how how long is that arrow in the air? It's in the arrow air for about two seconds. That deer can do a lot of stuff in, in that, that time. two seconds, yeah. And that's the trouble, you know. They twist and turn themselves inside out. Yeah, and look, you know, fair enough, he was probably shooting them, but he's shooting with a rifle. With a rifle, they can stand there and stare at you, as my stag did. It was looking in my direction, right? Didn't know I was there, but still knew something was there. If I had a shot an arrow, it would have heard that, yep. the sound of that bow or, it, or the arrow coming towards it and would have been out of there before the arrow got there. With the rifle, it can't do that. 
Totally, and I think the ballistic coefficients of what's hitting it as well at those distances, and um, I'm in no way taking it away from the guys that actually do successfully ground um, deer-sized animals with their bow, but, um, you know, that's, for me, one reason anyway, I'd, when the stag's been wallowing, you know, yep. they're pretty tough. They've got a, uh, a coat full of granite. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm getting, you know, that, that pass-through or, or whatever else um, with the animal. Um you know, and at those longer distances, there's so many things that, you know, wedged our legal come down and snatch my arrow out of the air, <laughs> you know, yeah. at those sort of distances. Yeah, but you're shooting up you into know. the air to get it down with that, <laughs> with that chad gear. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I shot a, um, years ago, I shot an elk in the States and it was at 50 yards. And a 50 yard, for an elk, is like, you know, shooting a fallow at 20. They're, yep. they're huge. This thing was head down feeding, broadside. Just as I released the arrow, it started to step forward. And it just—it was just walking, feeding with its head down. But by the time the arrow got there, instead of shooting it behind the front shoulder, I shot it yep. in front of the hindquarter. Yep. Right? We ended up, you know, retrieving things. But that's how much it moved just by feeding. It, w- it was not alarmed to the arrow or anything like that. So ever since then, I've really put a limit on, you know, just how far or yep. the distance that I shoot for that reason. Yep. Um, and, and as I said, I, I know this samba would not have been there. Or, you know, worse, I would have got it and shot it in the arse or, or yep, something like that. Bolted you know, off. Yeah. Those sort of There's things. There's no worse feeling than... I always say, say to people, and I'll, you know, I'll say this to everyone now, that you'll always feel better if you've got close to an animal and not been able to get a shot and it's gone off. You'll be disappointed if it's walked off and you haven't hadn't had a shot, but you'll feel so much better than if you had a sh- shot it yep. and it runs off with the arrow totally. sticking out of its butt. That 100%. is no... No worse feeling than that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a really gut-wrenching feeling, you know, and <coughs> particularly when you um, then curse yourself because you've broken your golden rule that yeah. you've gone outside of your distance and yep. that sort of stuff, you know. And it, even further to that, um, I shot and killed a samba with one arrow by shooting it in between the eyes, which is not where I was aiming. I was, you know, at how much these animals can move. Yeah. I was at um, 34 yards, had the the animal just quite happily feeding, come back to full draw, let the arrow go. At the same time as that arrow left the string, a noise down the gully made it snap its head like you wouldn't believe around. And as it's turned its head, it's gone straight into the impact line of that arrow. Yep. And the arrow, and I was using um, one of Nick Morton's 175 grain um, cut broadheads. Luckily enough, I, I guess because of the bow and all the angles and all the rest of it, it actually went uh, penetrated, penetrated it. and it just made this noise and fell over and all the other deer looked at it and said, go home, Harry, you're drunk. <laughs> and it was dead on the spot. But I was aiming yeah. not there. And yeah. that, they're the things that can go wrong, you know, and over distance, you know, that, that just... Um, yeah. And you know. look, bow hunting's not a perfect sport. No. You know, even you do everything right and things like that, you know, can happen. So, you know, you, you just got to try and minimise as much as possible. And that's where uh, I guess we come back to that training. Yep. Um, seeking to better yourself. Um, not always thinking that you're at the pinnacle. Mm. You know, having someone that can come and have a look at your form, how you're shooting, even that um, you may you may have been uh, haven't picked up a bow for twenty years and the changes of technology. Yep. You know, and you might have been shooting the old aluminium. You know. Yeah. It does. It makes it, as I say, like now, you know, I used to shoot an 84-pound bow. I get more um, speed and kinetic energy and momentum out of my 70-pound bow now. Bows have changed so much in you know, the last 15 to you know, 
10, 15 years. Yep. So much. It's amazing. So we've been rolling for, um, I haven't got my glasses on, but I think an hour and six minutes is <laughs> one of those things as we get older, isn't it, you know? Um, <coughs> where can people find out more information about your seminars? Uh, on Generally advertise them on Instagram, just um, uh, at The Bow Hunting Coach, or uh, on my website, um, thebowhuntingcoach.com.au. Yep. So, uh, either of those people can yeah catch up with me. And yeah. Yep. Uh, I haven't got any seminars planned just with COVID and things. I, you know, was, I'm thinking like you know, Sydney's been sort of locked down a little bit yeah, again yeah. this week, and uh, I want to get up there and, and do some more. But um, it's just a bit hard at the moment. But hopefully, you know, as the year goes on, we'll, we'll get into a couple more up there and uh, back up into Queensland as well. Yep, uh, fantastic. Yeah. And have you been doing just in Queensland? Been doing with any sort of groups of guys, or is there somewhere that the people you would normally yeah, go so to? Yeah, so with uh, in Sydney, um, and anyone can get in touch with Ian Summers, yep. um, Summers Archery Solutions. So yep. I do it at his place, and he does a, a similar thing um, in Sydney. Uh, and Jake Gasparowski up in Toowoomba, up two in great guys. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I did the yeah, seminar up at Jake's place a couple of years ago, and we'll go up, get up there again. Hopefully, um, yeah, later in the year and stuff. So, and they both do the same thing: coaching, you know, bow tuning, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, so, if you're in those states, yeah, hook the, look those blokes up. And They'll yeah. be able to point you in the right direction. If not, sort you out. I yeah, guess. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Both of them are really good. So, all right. Well, um, mate, I can't thank you enough, and I, I hope that people have found this as uh, enjoyable as I have to sit down with you for the last hour and um, go over only a very small snippet of um, Brad and who he is and where he's been. Um, you know, I guess we sign out with that. Um, I think education's key, no matter what it is. Um, you know, and to improve our sport, I think um, it's just going to yeah. be, you know, onwards and upwards from here. I think. Yeah, no, it's been yeah, it's been good, and I, I, I must admit, like everyone seems to be getting in and wanting more information now, and that's really good. You know, and I'm just here, and I, I'm, you know, I'll give out free information to anyone that you know gives me a call or sends me a message or something. You know, I don't. I don't do this for the money. Um, really, I, I people pay just so that it pays my bills, yep. you know, for, for getting around and doing yep. that sort of stuff. And also just to make it um, so people just aren't taking the piss. You know, they oh, for sure. Serious yeah. people are, are coming sort of thing. So, yep. um, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, buddy. Um, no we'll catch up again on air, I guess, at some stage in the near future. Um, look forward to seeing what you do put up on your social media um, with your hunting and with everything else. Um, you know, yeah, just awesome. So, um, yeah, I'll sign out and chat to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. If you would like any information from today's show, please don't hesitate to contact us on huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com or simply hit us up on any of our social media outlets on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to join us next week for another awesome episode and we look forward to sharing another story from Hunting Camp Down Under. Bye for now.